afternoon, Patriots, and it's Thursday, June, June, January 5th. <laughs> I better get my month straight. January 5th. Yeah, we're having another crazy day up on Capitol Hill, but that's getting interesting. We're going to talk about that. But I'll tell you right now, the one thing everybody better be focused on is getting a good night's sleep. And that's the best place to ensure that is with the best and most comfortable sheets ever. Giza Cotton Sheets from MyPillow.com. So head on over there to MyPillow.com. You can even head to our special, special Bards Nation page. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards and check out all the great deals. Incredible savings with your Bards code, B-A-R-D-S. Amazing products. Giza Cotton Sheets are off the rails. Super comfortable. Super nice to have on your bed. Makes you sleep better. In the time right now, we need good sleep. And while you're at it, throw in a MyPillow Classic which would keep you super, super comfy in bed. So pillows and sheets and mattresses and mattress toppers and pajamas and slippers. There's even coffee. You can get the whole gamut of what you need from sleep to wake up in the morning, all at MyPillow.com. Head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Your promo code is Bards. That's what's going to give you all that great savings, and you will be so happy you did in this wonderful world of insanity that we currently live in. And if you really want to speak to a real live person, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939. Use your same promo code BARDS, and you'll be greeted with a the voice of a Patriot Pillow counselor that will guide you right on through. So again, mypillow.com forward slash BARDS, promo code BARDS. Well, as you might imagine, things have gotten a little bit interesting. And that's this ongoing drama saga up on Capitol Hill, which I am actually had no interest in. And then suddenly I took some interest in it today because of some of the drama that's been going on. And that's all centered around this comment right here. Gates. Donald John Trump. Trump. Matt Gates just nominated Donald Trump for Speaker of the House, which I just think is epic. You know that about every liberal's head just went on overdrive. And we'll have to see how that goes. I They, they didn't get enough to confirm him yet, I guess. But rumor has it that President Trump has said on the side that he would support it. I personally think this, there may be something to all this. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, Steve Bannon endorsed it today, and this could be a better organized circus than we think. I would like to believe that, but I will give it credit to this. Everything that's been going on in D.C. right now up on Capitol Hill has been drawing people's attention and ire to the broken nature of the entire body politic, which is excellent. It's as it should be, because we're really at a point right now that this whole system is not going to get fixed unless people do take the effort and get involved. And we've talked about the local action, which is where you make real change. But also being aware of how the system is supposed to work is critical because we have no civics foundation in this nation whatsoever. Literally. I mean, it's like people have no idea. They just go to sleep and they're like, oh, I voted somebody in, so I guess it's all corrupt and that's the end of life, which is not true at all. And that's where this gets increasingly interesting as we move forward. So we'll see what happens. But uh, like I said, it's something to keep your eye on, something to enjoy the show, literally, and we'll continue to see how all this evolves. So with that, some other news worth sharing right here. Jacques Attali was an advisor to Francois 
Mitterrand, probably definitely saying that wrong, Mitterrand, the former president of France. And he wrote this in 1981. In the future, it will be a question of finding ways to reduce the population. We will start with the old man, because he is over 60 to 65 years old. Man lives longer than he produces, and it costs society dearly. Then the weak, and then the useless who do not contribute anything to society, because there will be more and more, and especially, finally, the stupid. Euthanasia directed at these groups. Euthanasia must be an essential instrument of our future societies in all cases. Of course, we will not be able to execute people or organize camps. We will get rid of them by making them believe that it is for their own good. Emigrate while you still can. Too large a population, and for the most part unnecessary, is something economically too expensive. Socially, it is much better for the human machine to stop abruptly than to gradually deteriorate. We won't be able to pass intelligence tests on millions and millions of people, you can imagine. We will find something, or cause it, a pandemic that targets certain people, a real economic crisis or not, a virus that will affect the old or the elderly. It does not matter. The weak and the fearful will succumb. The stupid will believe it and ask to be treated. We will have taken care of having planned the treatment, a treatment that will be the solution. The selection of idiots will therefore be done by itself. They will go back to the slaughterhouse alone. There's another fragment that was excerpted from his book, same guy, Brief History of the Future is the name of the book, published in France, 2006. Understand that we are smart enough to find our own solutions and apply them. Those willing to take proactive, protective measures, maintain their health, and become more self-reliant will rise from this period of change and transform successfully. We will be the ones to structure the new world to come with a new focus on common good of all life everywhere. The old mindset expressed by that limited soul above will not be tolerated. The mindset and those that harbor it will vanish like darkness approaching before the dawn. It's true that many will go with the passing of the night, and yet those that remain will then shine all the brighter. Do your part. Take care of yourself first. Then look to assist any willing to listen and join in the reconstruction. This is me reaching out to anybody who's willing to assist and join in the reconstruction. Just thought you guys would care to hear that since it was from 1981 and the second excerpt from 2006. It's been planned a very long time. All right, Patriots, let's pray for spiritual warfare time. Father, we come to you today humbled and aware and awake as to the nature and depth of this corruption and this deceit against humanity. This is a time and place where there is truly a harvest going on before our very eyes. And sadly, we have so many that are still walking in the darkness, unaware of what's happening and so willfully compliant to a system that seeks nothing more than their demise. So, Father, we pray for them. We put our prayers up for the many. We put our prayers up for the people of this world. Not aligned by nation state, not aligned by identity of tribe but instead just the pure, beautiful beings that they are. And as you created, there are so many, and there are so many in this time that are now literally walking in darkness. We have to keep our eyes open, Father, because so many temptations are being thrown before us. Deception is the name of the game, and deception is happening all around us. And we know that the only way through this is to continue to focus our eyes forward on the true relationship in Jesus and ultimately that relationship with you, that intimate and personal relationship that we pray that everybody can experience. 
that personal relationship that's there for anybody to take as long as we're willing to step in and truly sacrifice the person that we were and walk into the body of Christ as it is offered. This time, Father, more than ever, we need that strength in those that seek that, pursue that, and live that. And we have to step beyond just the words, but step into action. We have to step into living and breathing this life with you as one in all things we do, not just a ritual production on Sunday, not just a ritual follow-up on Wednesday, but rather a steady flow, walk, and breath with you in everything we do. So we pray for that commitment. We pray for that opening in people's lives to realize that there's nothing separate from you. There's not a moment in the day that you aren't present and there and that we aren't with you unless we choose to walk away from you. And so we also pray for the understanding of the power of free will. This is a time when we all have a choice in what's going on. We have, an underst- we have an impact on where we're going. And this isn't just a given or a script that's already written. This isn't just to sit on the side and wait for somebody to ride in and save the day. But rather, it is we are part of this process of choosing who we will serve. I know, Father, for myself, and I think that many any others that are listening to this would agree, I serve only you. And so with that, we use these words boldly and, and specifically, send me, send us. This is a time now when we need to bring as many home as possible back to the kingdom that have been separated and severed from the roots that made them who they are. And sadly, that separation has led to so much anxiety, insanity, craziness in this world as governments have organized and deceitful minds have come together to sever the root of who we are and what our origins are, to blind us from who we truly are. And yet that knowledge is right there. All we have to do is reach and pray into that, to seek and to trust. And though they are baby steps, nonetheless, everything you provide is sufficient for us to find our way home and into the true sense and meaning of why we are here. And so we pray for that as well, Father. We pray for that strength as a people, to seek that true purpose for why we are here. Something that's far greater than anything offered by our politicians, our corporations. It's far greater than anything offered by the, the lures of materialism or convenience of life or technologies. And yet these will be the big choices that we have ahead of us. A choice between being enslaved by our free will within the technological prison or a choice to fight and climb and to be separate from all of that, to live truly in union with you. This challenge ahead of us will be immense, and it continues to grow. But the thing we know, Father, so much is that no matter what mountain is set before us, we can overcome that with you. Equally, we just pray that the knowledge and understanding that without you, we are literally nothing. We are adrift in a sea, a boat without an anchor, a boat without a sail. And so we pray that those that are thinking that this is an individual walk or considering that perhaps they can walk in, in a way agnostic or atheistic or even worse with the worship of, of Satan himself to understand that there's only one way to life, the acceptance of Christ and through Christ to you, Father. And we pray for this awakening to settle in heavily upon the hearts of the many. This is a time where time is not our friend. It's prescient that people start making the decision to step into that place of boldness to understand the importance and urgency of accepting Christ in their life. And though the time and the hour is only known to you, 
we also know that this time and the hour that's upon us is critical, that each day the enemy continues to expand its grip. And it will continue to suck in those that are unaware or just too foolish to realize how important it is to embrace the full process and life and restoration within the body of Christ. This is a time truly to be reborn in him and to stand boldly in this fight, to have the mightiness of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the the total armor of war strapped upon us, knowing that in every single day the enemy is waging war against us and ferociously trying to subdue us. And yet we know that with you, nothing and no weapon can succeed. So, Father, we pray for that strength and that mightiness, not only to rise boldly within this remnant, but equally to spread like a wildfire across this land, to continue to awaken the many, to stir their hearts, to put their eyes to you, to seek kingdom and not this material world, to realize that as a purpose, we are purposes far greater That's what's in this physical flesh body. But rather, our purpose is a one of greatness in the kingdom, to expand and to ultimately subdue this enemy. So, Father, we pray for your strength. We pray for your guidance. We pray for your wisdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's important to realize just how far back, and that's why I played that piece, this plan goes. This plan is not new. They've had this idea and been incubating this idea for some time. And it's why for us, I think for many, it seems it came out of nowhere. It was a place that seemingly popped into our world. And as it popped into our world, we were caught off guard because we were too buried into the understanding, the worship, the expecting that this was this world was all it was, when in fact it's not that at all. I want to play a quick piece. This is going to be a setup as well for tonight's show. It's um, important to understand there's a lot of things going on right now that Washington is obscuring. Here we go. Here are five important crises you need to keep your eye on in 2023. Firstly, the escalation of the war in Ukraine. Putin is poised to launch a new deadly offensive. On the other hand, the US has increased its support to Ukraine with an extra $44.9 billion in aid. Meanwhile, Europe continues to struggle amidst rising energy prices. Number two, high tensions over Taiwan. China has vowed to take back Taiwan. The US has promised to defend them. Experts believe an invasion will happen sooner rather than later. Yet any conflict involving Taiwan will be disastrous for the people living there and for the global economy. Number three, Afghanistan on the brink of collapse. 20 million people are food insecure. Six million are close to starvation. Yet aid is drying up as the Taliban continue to isolate the country after banning women's education. Many fear a total collapse is imminent. Number four, Iran's unwavering mass protests. The government is cracking down hard, with more executions, yet protesters are refusing to back down. It's the biggest challenge to the regime's rule in decades, and many say there's no going back. And finally, Israel's dangerous promise. Israel's new far-right government has prioritized annexing the occupied West Bank of Palestine, but Palestinians are unlikely to sit by quietly. As history has shown, this is all the ingredients for a renewed violent conflict, with Palestinian civilians being often disproportionately affected. And there you go. The world is in a total chaos right now. Many moving parts simultaneously. It's very hard to keep pace with all that's going on. And yet, that's ultimately where they want us to be, is confused and off foot. And that's where you have to avoid 
falling victim of. Right now, the world as we know it, that world in that very important place that we used to know is dead. The United States itself, as we knew it, is dead. The Constitution has been suspended, and we're living under these constant deceptions and lies as if things are, are moving forward. The interesting thing is the number of orchestrations of power that are playing it out. The 20 people that are holding out on Kevin McCarthy, as crazy as that Kabuki theater is going on up in D.C., they're demonstrating something that's very important. They're demonstrating what real representative politics looks like. You're hearing the pressure from even if you heard the discussion last night with Sean Hannity, and he's a complete deep state hand puppet, going after one of the congresswomen that are just brutalizing her for not giving in to Kevin McCarthy. Her position is there's no giving in. And the thing is that politics is a place where everybody is expected to compromise. And they've gone so far in the depths of the bowels of this other way is that compromise becomes always about serving special interests, serving their, their money, serving their future vote, which isn't secured by the people, but it's secured by the endorsements of corporations and their lobbies and so forth. When you make a stand for the people, it's not popular. And you have to be willing to stand in the midst of this. So I don't know whether what we're seeing in D.C. is real or whether it's orchestrated. Nonetheless, it's a pretty interesting show now because we've seen this go on for several days. And we're starting to witness, at least by demonstration, even if it is a kabuki theater, what it's supposed to look like. We're not supposed to always see people comply and bend over to each other. We're supposed to see constituents stand for what's right in the Constitution. And this 20 to 30 that are standing out against McCarthy, they are doing just that. And it, should, it is a good example for the world to see where the true sense of representative republic action is and should be. Now, as a footnote to that, if this is for real, meaning this isn't some sort of orchestrated event, then the 20 to 30 folks that are standing out on the vote really are the only ones that are not part of the deep state. They're the only ones that aren't buying into this principle that we're supposed to just give in to the lobbyists and the efforts, that they're willing to hold the line in sense of the Constitution no matter how long it takes. Every single thing we see here has multiple layers of effect. That's one thing that makes this very difficult to always discern truth, and that's by design. This is how politics works. It's a cesspool of constant opportunities and secondary messages and third-level third level action and impact second, third, fourth order effects that are way beyond many times our own view. Just take Damer or Dahmer, whatever his name is, that just just died in the NFL. I mean, he's a Christian kid. He's obviously, is everything we're learning, oh, I guess he isn't dead. They, they say he's revived today. I'm not buying any of the story because the fact is he collapsed on the field. He's had two cardiac arrests. Even if the kid comes back and will say he does, the, the idea is he's a 24-year-old Christian kid. So here's the two sides of that. On one level, it's pretty evident that there was some sort of ritual around his death. They had a guy in a 33, a shirt with a 33 standing up. On the same day, they had 33 years. It was announced after 33 years was the lowest level of cash available on, in, in the United States. On the same, at the same event of a prayer, they had somebody raising the horns of Satan. And at the same time, they had two, three, two people standing up, one with a nine shirt and one with a 99 shirt, inverted as 666. They mocked everybody. And there's many more links like that. But the second, there's another part of that that's God's play. And it's something that regardless of if they're mocking, 
there was something bigger that happened. And even though it's still people praying for one of their idols, the fact is they were praying to God. They were praying in the parking lot. They were praying in the stadiums. It's outside the players. It's outside the teams. They even had somebody on one of the sports channels do a prayer, which was stunning. So with this war, there's always a play, a counterplay. There's a first order, second order effect. There's always Satan's play, and there's always God's play. And with this, it is constantly this moving target of chaos, as it seems to us. But within God's plan, there's a great deal of perfection. And it's always a pretty simple line. Because what God always wants is he wants to see, bring as many home. He's trying to save as many as he can. That puts an enormous amount of pressure on some of us. Because as we are out here trying to fight for truth and we're looking around shaking our head, it gets very frustrating. This is where we need to lean into Father. Let's tuck into him tight. And realize that we're part of him bringing people home. No matter how hard and difficult that may seem, it's okay. He's right there. He understands the craziness of this world. He understands how immature we can be. He understands how retarded we can be too. And I'm sure at times he probably shakes his head and even snickers a little bit and says, man, never saw that one coming. Because he's living through us. But it's also our choice. And at the core of this great fight that we're waging here between Satan and God is the core knowledge of this. Satan didn't want God to make us. He thought he gave us too much power. And he knew and he felt, felt that God would be hurt by it because we were given free will. Satan wanted us to be obedient and told how to worship. And he ultimately sought that out as part of the fallen to have us worship him by force and dictate. God has never let that go in the sense of requiring us to worship him. It has always been about our free will. And as these two duel, you ultimately realize that this whole fight has always been about us making a choice, the choice of him or Lucifer. That's the choice. And so with all this chaos going around, remember we need to remember to take a breath, breathe in, be with Father, be in that moment, be in that time and space with him to understand in all the craziness, it's about choice. Who will we choose and who will we choose to serve? Our mission then becomes exceedingly important. It's our mission to break through the lies, to introduce people to the love and glory of Jesus, remembering that many have never had an experience with him. Many have never even known who he is. Many don't even know, understand what God is other than a Sunday visit to church. And those, for many, has been a very ugly experience. And we can see this especially in the modern day. Somebody walks into church with blue hair and an earring, and right away, if it's the wrong church, they're cast out as some crazy new ager, when in fact they may just be having blue hair and an earring and just, or a nose ring and just wanting to seek Jesus. Churches have become a highly toxic place for many. And so our role out here in the world becomes increasingly important. Never before, I don't think it's ever been this important. Never will so much be asked of so few by so many. And we're in that time now. And what we're being asked by Father and what's being needed in the world is for us to continue to introduce, to bring, to lead people to the most glorious, greatest, most amazing experience they will ever have, the greatest gift ever given. Nothing will top it once, once they touch it, and that's that deep, intimate, personal relationship with Christ. 
And as we do that and we pray with them and we lead them, we're doing the job of discipleship. That's kingdom work. And there can't be a greater calling. So in this craziness of today, and there's a lot of it, and there's a lot of moving parts, and there's pieces we cannot control, and we'll continue to look at all those pieces and how they affect our lives, let us never forget the importance of the local, in our community, in the daily, with the people we meet, and most importantly, just to bring Christ into the walk in life that we have and everywhere we go. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. I'm also going to be on Brighty on TV at 2 o'clock today, Pacific. That's 30 minutes from now. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
an old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.